our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Self cold one. They strike them, huh? And listen to Russ Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it's Daddy Soda time here on the College Draft Podcast, presented, of course, by DraftKings. Shout out, by the way, to Steven Soroka, one of our great Tuckhead listeners that actually brought me some Daddy Sodas. At Highmark Stadium last night in Buffalo. I'm back home after the drive this morning. I put him in the fridge. I am good to go. Thank you, Stephen. And thank you, Emery Hunt, for being so good at everything you do. Check him out on Twitter at FBall Game Plan. How about Football Game Plan on YouTube? That's how he kind of became famous and became a star, his football game plan on YouTube. Emery was on YouTube before anybody else was on YouTube. I'm just telling you. All right, he's like a, he goes to these coaches' conventions. Coaches come up to him like he's like Madonna or something. And then footballgameplan.com slash 2023 draft guide. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. We are at Ross Tucker Pod on social media. Highly recommend you following me because if you follow me, or actually, I take that back. Follow at Ross Tucker Pod because we're going to give out a Madden via DMs. Some of you every once in a while will message you a DM. I think we've done two or three ever. Going to give you a Madden code potentially via DM. So make sure you're following us at Ross Tucker Pod. Before we dive into this week's games, again, if you're new, this is really three podcasts in one in 30 minutes or less. We talk about the biggest college football games, Florida, Tennessee, Clemson, Wake, Oregon, Washington State. We talk about the best prospects in those games. And my man Emery makes his picks against the spread in these same games. So it is the trifecta. You're hitting the trifecta on the show. Before we do that, though, Emery, every once in a while, something happens in the NFL that I want to bring up on this show because at its core, this is sort of a scouting show, right? This is the NFL draft show. There are people that just love talking about the draft, players, prospects, year-round. Last night, Josh Allen did it again, and Jalen Hurts was fantastic. So I don't know if you lump them together, Emery, or you separate them out, but I want to know if there are scouting lessons to be had by what we are seeing from Josh Allen and – a guy like Jalen Hurts? And that's a great lead-in question, Ross, because there's a lot of lessons. And let's start with Allen first because he's the oldest. Um, when you're looking at someone like Allen and you're seeing ridiculous-level traits. Now, traits translate. Now, I've always said this. So I, I use the example of when I was scouting Tariq Cohen uh, coming out of North Carolina a and I didn't care that he was 5'6". I didn't care that he was 180 pounds. 
Um, I didn't care. He was playing at North Carolina A&T. When I went down to the Celebration Bowl, the first one, and they played Alcorn, and I saw him rush for nearly 300 yards and had two kick return touchdowns. One was a punt, one was a kickoff. And no one on the field touched him on a lot of these runs. And it was like, man, speed and agility and burst explosiveness, that translates no matter where you play. And then going back to his senior season, when they played North Carolina, he had a 60-yard run um, in which he ran right down the middle of the defense, made a cut at the second level, then bounced it outside. And this is North Carolina's ACC defense, and no one touched him. So, again, you're seeing that traits, speed, elusiveness, agility translates. Fast forward to Josh Allen, and it's like, okay, his arm strength was ridiculous. You know, in in um in my notes, in my scouting notes, I put he has the type of arm strength that breaks dreams. You know, that's how fast it goes. It, it goes ridiculously fast. And he could legitimately, and I said this too, he has a Tecmo Bowl-like arm where you can throw end zone to end zone with ease. And so, okay, then you look at how he's playing. His game wasn't good to be completely fair and honest. The game wasn't good. But within that, you watch and say, okay, what is coachable and what is not coachable? And in my, and so that's why when I had a low grade on him, a lower grade, um, I had in my notes, one of the strengths that I noticed about him was that in between the 20 to 20s, it's an adventure. Like you never know what you're going to get. But once he gets inside the 20 and the field shrinks, dude has – Razor sharp focus. He locks in. The accuracy is consistent. And he puts the ball in the end zone and he doesn't turn the ball over. So for me, it was like, damn, if we could figure out 20 to 20, then we'll be fine. And I think he went like two years before he had his first red zone interception or turnover. That's remarkable. The only player to do that is, I think, Lamar Jackson. So in between the 20 and 20. So if you as if you were a coach, say, okay, what can we fix? What can we work on? We can work on his mechanics, we can work on his footwork. Um, we like his toughness, we like his willingness to throw for the sticks on down and distance, we like his willingness to run for the sticks on down and distance. Those are things you can't coach. Everything else you can coach up. So if you like the raw enough traits, you can get the rest of the stuff out of him. And we're seeing that combined with his own work ethic. So that's the scouting lesson for Josh Allen. The traits do translate. Now, for Jalen Hurts, who was my number two quarterback in that draft class, I had it Burrow, Hurts, Tua, and then I had some other guys ahead of Herbert. Wasn't sold on Herbert for the film at Oregon. Just didn't like the film. I just thought that there was nothing there. Clearly, that's a whiff on my end. And the only game I thought he showed what he's showing now in the league was against Wisconsin, his last game in the Rose Bowl, when he actually just started taking off and running and being a true dual threat. So clearly didn't see the potential with Herbert that you see now. But with Hurts, it was the intangible things that you um, can't coach, that you kind of saw with Josh Allen, right, how he locks in when he's inside the red zone, how he has that it about him, that dog about him that people like to say. But when you look at Hurts, it's the same thing. He started as a true freshman at Alabama at that position and got them to a national championship. And when he walked off the field, they had a lead against Clemson, but it, you know, it just so happened that Deshaun Watson was on the other side and did what Deshaun Watson usually does in those clutch situations. But uh, for a true freshman to have that moment for him, then he goes out his sophomore year, goes to improve, tries, tries to play the same game and is struggling, you know, in the passing game. 
He gets benched. Tua wins the national championship. He didn't transfer. He stayed as a backup, worked on his game. Alabama was blowing out teams all, already, so he was going to get reps in every game, which he did. And in those games, they didn't. They just didn't hand the ball off. They allowed him to work you know, in a passing game. So you saw him improve in certain areas. The ball was coming out quicker, much more accurate. He was hitting the short throws, not waiting for the deep balls. And then, lo and behold, they needed him again, you know, in the um, in a in a SEC title game and in the playoffs, and he helped lead the uh, lead the team to where they needed to be. Then he transfers to Oklahoma. This is the same Oklahoma that had the Baker Mayfields, the Kyle Murrays. He steps in, and everyone thought they were just going to not run the. You're just going to run the ball, and not throw it. He had over 3,500 yards passing, over I think 40 something touchdowns. 30, uh, 1,500 yards, 1,200 yards rushing, 20 rushing touchdowns. If it wasn't for Joe Burrow having the greatest single season in college football history, Hurts was number two in the Heisman and would have easily won the Heisman Trophy. But you saw that year him working in the passing game that he worked on at Alabama when he was on the side. So, But you saw the fact that he's tough. He's tough-minded. He can humble himself and recognize when he needs to improve or work. And he has that it about him where – if the game is on the line, everyone else is chaotic. Saban's on the sideline flipping out. Hurts, you can't tell if you're up 20 or down 20 because he is the same even kill performer. Big player, no big play. He's the same guy. That is exactly what you need as a pro quarterback. And that's exactly what Philly needed uh, at the position. And they got is almost like the perfect spot for both guys, for Allen landing in Buffalo and Hurts landing in Philly because Philly's a tough city and they will let you know how you're playing and you need someone that doesn't read the newspaper that just focuses on the guys in the locker room and his game. And when you see those things about a player, you know, you kind of have to, Hey man, this, there's something to this dude. Everywhere he's gone, he's won. Every time he's been faced with adversity, he's answered that question and came back stronger, better, and more consistent. So for me, both guys, and I'm glad you asked that are, are two unique examples of, scouting lessons and try to dig deeper than the surface level because then you truly find uh you know what you're looking for because both guys had it sometimes you got to dig a little deeper to find it but it was it was there evidently i think uh on film or uh, what they were doing in college you know what my lesson is there um you can get better you can improve like you know you're not a finished commodity just because you become a professional at something you can continue to work at your craft because both those guys have improved greatly. While we're talking about quarterbacks that have improved, Emory, let's get to Florida at Tennessee. For years, one of the biggest games in the country. We've talked a lot about Anthony Richardson, the Florida quarterback. What about the Tennessee quarterback, Hendon Hooker, on the other side? It's weird to say that he was at Virginia Tech, and they and he was playing the same way he's playing at Tennessee, at Virginia Tech, but they went in another, another direction. But you like to see him grow and develop at Tennessee, which he has done. Now, granted, he's an older prospect. Uh, I think he's about the same age as Stetson Bennett. So at the end of the day, you know, maybe his floor is higher. Um, so you're getting a guy that could probably step in and play right away, kind of like a Kenny Pickett situation where he's older, played a lot of college football, seen a lot, done a lot. But you like that he is consistently, you know, looking to to attack. And it's not like a bunch of short, quick passes that he's racking up. He and Cedric Tillman have a great relationship in terms of like, hey, man, if I, if you see the same thing I'm seeing, I'm going to you in this deep down the field, and he's usually connecting um, accurately. 
I like how he handles pressure. He doesn't, you know, fold versus pressure. He's still able to stand in there and stare down the gun barrel and deliver a strike down the field. And he also is a very good athlete when he can take off and run with the football. So for me, it's like you're getting someone that that has played a lot of college football, um, but still has gotten better over the course of his time. So when you're projecting him forward, maybe he is a he doesn't have much upside. But what you see is what you're going to get. And what you see is a very good player that can help your team. Maybe he's not a QB one. Maybe he's more of a QB two. But we've seen the NFL need QB twos uh, more often than not throughout the course of a season. What about Joe Milton? Another guy that, you know, when we talk about traits, right? We talk about Josh Allen, his traits and Joe Milton, his traits. I'm not saying they're the same guy, but I brought Joe Milton up because of one reason. We have options now, XFL, USFL. We're seeing him be productive in his time that he's getting as a reserve. When he was a starter last year, it was a little bit inconsistent. The arm was a little bit too strong for everybody. It was, you know, he was missing high. He was missing, you know, too strong on the passes. But now you see him get, you know, garbage time and he's doing a great job. And, you know, the the accuracy seems to be a little bit more consistent. The placement is a little bit more consistent. Um he has the mobility. We know that. Uh, and he's a big physical guy. Now, I don't know if he's going to get the opportunity to get drafted by the NFL. But if I were him and I brought this up on, you know, this show previously about these options, man, if I'm him, I jump straight into the XFL. Reason being, it's the first one out the gate in February. I bypass all of the combine and all that stuff like that. I'm going to the XFL. I'm going to play that season because the XFL season finishes right before the NFL draft. So now I give these NFL scouts new tape of me playing against pro players that they can reevaluate, and then I can still get drafted. But at least I get a full season of playing pro game to show the little snippets that I've shown this year at Tennessee wasn't an anomaly, but more of a sign of things to come. And I can elevate my stock by playing uh, at the XFL level. What about safety trade Dean for Florida, Emery? Love his game, man. He's a football player. I, I'm all in on football players. Give me those guys that that look to hit, but in a legal way, and that look to hit and be impactful uh, when they do so. That's Dean. To me, he's a the second reincarnation of Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. I think he matches up well. I think he drives on the football really well. I think he attacks the football really well. All of those things you want to see from this new hybrid safety position, Dean does it in space. He's going to have to play a big role in this ball game because we know how well Tennessee plays with tempo. We know how well they want to work in that intermediate level of the field and get your eyes influenced on one thing and then try to strike over your head. I think he's smart enough to realize the difference between the two and then make plays in in, uh, in concert with what he's seeing. Tennessee's laying 11. I had to double check this. How is that possible? Tennessee's laying 11, Emery. What do you got? I think it's a a combination of how they play offense with tempo and how good they are defensively. So they're going to get some stops and how ineffective Florida has looked offensively. They they haven't really thrown the football. Um, They're trying to run this ball game. So I think it's going to be a contrast in style. Um, 11 does seem like a lot in a rivalry game. I think Florida's defense is a little bit better than this, despite what we saw last week versus South Florida. So I'm going to say take the Gators in the points. 11 seems like a lot. I think we'll see them take the air out of the football and try to keep this one close. Totally agree. I love Florida in the points. What about Clemson at Wake? One of the games of the year 
in the ACC. You know I love me some Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Love their style of play. Love their quarterback. They are facing Clemson at home. Clemson's laying seven. A lot of talk about Brian Brissy. Let's talk about Miles Murphy, another D lineman for the Tigers. I feel like he's having a, a really strong year, man. One of these guys that can truly bring it off the edge. I feel like every other year we're talking about a Clemson defensive end, you know, and how athletic and fluid they are coming off the edge. They use good length. They have great body control when they flatten and accelerate to the quarterback. I think all of those things aptly describes uh, Murphy. And so for me, um, watching him in this game and seeing how he's going to have to play disciplined football with that, you know, slow mesh point uh, read option that Wake Forest has, um, I'm going to be more inclined to, to watch that and how he's able to play with his eyes and react off of that. That's why I like watching. Not saying this is the same type of offense, but that's why I like teams or prospects that play against option teams. I want to see how they you know work with their eyes, how they read things out while playing fast. So that's what I'm going to be watching for in this game for Murphy. A lot of people, Emery, are calling for DJ Uyunglele to get benched. He's got some traits, but it just doesn't seem to put it all together. And, and again, keep in mind, that that's why I loved how you let off the show with – uh, Josh Allen, and now we're talking, we talked Joe Milton, and now we're back to talking about DJ Uyunglele. And here's the thing, same thing as Joe Milton, even though he probably has a better chance of if he leaves this year as a junior to get drafted. But if I'm him, I'm looking at these other options if things tend to slide. But he has played better this year. He's played a lot better than, than people have given him credit for. I think we focused on what happened last year and carried that over to this year. But even in that Georgia Tech game, he didn't play terrible. He was making some really good throws. And I thought he made some really good throws last week. And that's what you want to see from him. You want to see him kind of like stack these positive performances. And it's a slow build to get back to the high expectations he set for himself um, as a freshman. So I think because he's starting to really see things better and and, and be a little bit more decisive when he's throwing the football um, and and reading things out, I feel like his game is starting to, to catch up to his potential. So, this is why this is a big game because we know Wake Forest's defense will challenge you in an assortment of ways. Their back seven does a great job um, in, in, in really playing the football. They, I think their pass defense is always underrated. So I'm excited to see how he works through this game because we've seen a lot of quarterbacks struggle against Wake Forest's defense. What about Emory A.T. Perry, the big receiver for Wake Forest? For a big receiver, I feel like he's so fluid and, and understands how to get open versus zone coverage. That's excellent because that's playing pro game. That's a pro game right there. You got to be able to quickly read, diagnose, and discern on the fly, and he's able to do that. But in a one-on-one situation, I like how he's able to release off the line, shows nuance in stacking uh, a defensive back, and then accelerating to the football. So he plays a pro game. He's a big-time talent. Uh, reminds me a lot of what uh, Colorado State had a few years ago um, the, the kid that came out and, and, you know, ended up with the Dolphins for a while is named Preston Williams. He reminds me a lot of Preston Williams and how he's able to get open uh, in that way, but also shows nuance and working through zone and also beating guys versus man. And he's going to get challenged in this game. I, I feel like this is a game where he can elevate his stock as well. Clemson tends to have good corners um, and guys that, that, you know, can mirror and match rather well. So if Wake Forest is going to win, A.T. Perry is going to have to have a big game, and I think he will have a big game. All right, so now we got Clemson laying seven. 
Are you doing it, Emery? What are you doing? I'm taking Wake in the points, man. I, I As much as I do like Shipley, I think Shipley is a good player. I still don't trust their run game. So I think this will be uh, Sam Hartman versus DJ Uyunglele game. And, you know, one-dimensional attacks are not going to beat Wake Forest. Wake Forest does a lot of activity up front. I think they'll do a good job in stifling the run game and making it a DJU versus Hartman game. So I'm going to take Wake Forest in the points. I think it'll be a lot closer than a touchdown. I agree. I'm with you on both these picks so far. Oregon is at Washington State. Oregon's got a D lineman, Brandon Dorius, and a quarterback, Bo Nix. I mean, Bo Nix, is he really a pro prospect? If you're talking XFL or USFL, he's absolutely a pro prospect. You see where I'm going here, Ross. I'm all in on alternative. I know you are. You're trying to get a gig. You're trying to get some gig with one of those networks. We're talking mainly NFL prospects on this show, dude. (laughs) That's why I added Dorius, because Dorius is the NFL guy. Um, and here's the thing about Doris. I feel like he's, you know, strong at the point of attack. He's explosive. So everything that you want to see from a defensive lineman, he's that. And to me, when you have that level of explosiveness and that level of consistency within your game, you're going to find yourself on high on these NFL radars. As far as Bo Nix, if they're playing at home, I, I always wonder why he plays better at home than he does on the road. Like, it's so weird to see that dynamic and that those splits. Because uh, the Bo Nix we saw in the opener isn't the Bo Nix we saw versus BYU. So this game is on the road against a very good and underrated, you know, Washington State team that I told everybody on CBS Sports HQ in the spring. This team will be a dark horse Pac-12 contender because of who they picked up at quarterback and what they have on defense. So this is a very tough matchup for Bo Nix. Can he play like he did last week against BYU? Very good defense. Can he play like that against the Cougars who have shown they can stop the run, they can cover, and they can also get after the quarterback? You love your son, Cam Ward. Let's talk about him as a prospect. Yeah, former incarnate word star at the FCS level in the Southland Conference, which is like the Big 12 of the FCS. They throw it all around the yard. And him going to uh, Washington State was, was great because he followed his former head coach, who's now the OC up there, and he stepped in perfectly to a situation where he has an abundance of talent, a very solid offensive line, and a good run game with Nakia Watson, the former Wisconsin transfer. So him being there is tremendous because you're seeing the talent that you saw at the FCS level translate, talking about traits, uh, quick release. You know, he doesn't – in the, the fact that he comes from a system where they threw it a lot and because they play the law of averages, when they throw it a lot, you know you're going to have some turnovers, doesn't – phase him if he has a mistake whether it's a fumble or an intercept he's going to keep chucking it and he's going to keep playing he's going to keep fighting and that puts him in position to have success and i think in this game this is a big test for him probably even bigger than what they had against wisconsin who we know was a tough test because of jim leonard's defense so i'm excited to see how he's able to compete here in a in a real prime time game against oregon the spread in this one is Oregon laying six and a half. Your thoughts? That's tough, man. I've been on this Washington State kick. I think I had them going over five wins or it was four and a half. One of those things. So I really need them to win this game um, to continue to hold court. They're undefeated right now. They're 3-0. I say take Washington State in the points, and we're going to see the students storm the field as well. Ooh, I like it. You got Washington State winning the game outright. All right. Um, 
Arkansas is at Texas A&M. The Aggies are favored by two and a half. You know, we don't talk a whole lot about K.J. Jefferson as a pro prospect. What do you think? I think we saw a lot of K.J. Jefferson in, in Jalen Hurst last night, right? You know, thick, thick built uh, quarterback, strong runner, patient passer. Like it, you, you, you find yourself saying, all right, he got to get rid of it. And then you see when he gets rid of you, like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah okay, that, damn, that's a, that was a great read, great throw. I see why he waited, right? And so Jefferson is another one that I, watching how they handled all of that last week against Missouri State, number five team in the FCS, who has a really good um, quarterback themselves, and Jason Shelley, coached by Bobby Petrino, how they handled that whole situation was fantastic. You know, you saw a team just like, all right, we're down. We got to lock in, come back. Guess who led the charge? It was KJ Jefferson. And we saw this game last year how this kind of spearheaded the Sam Pittman fan club across the country because they went to Dallas and beat the Aggies at their own game. And Jefferson is someone that's more along the lines of how we view Hurts. It may not look dynamic, it may not go one, two, three, boom, and the ball is out. It may be one, two, three, hold it, wait, throw, dime, or hold it, wait, take off, run through your defensive back, trying to tackle him high. So I, I think when we view Jefferson, we have to view him how we viewed Hurts. Like, hey, just watch how he plays the entire game. Watch his mentality. Watch how everyone tends to rally around him. Watch how he is when the game gets on the line. We think about the shootout last year versus Ole Miss. Bought them back in that game. Unfortunately, they missed a two-point conversion. Otherwise, they beat Ole Miss. So I think he has a lot of those intangible traits that helps you succeed at the pro level. He doesn't shrink when the lights are bright. What about Texas A&M running back, Devin? I forget, how do you say his last name? A-Chain. 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 Yeah, it was funny because between him and Anaya Smith, I don't know who plays receiver or who plays running back, right? Every time I look up, one of them is carrying the football, but they always see a wide receiver. Or you turn in a, tune in another game at another time, running back. But this one is a running back. Right. So he's explosive. He's dynamic. He helps you out in the return game. He doesn't need volume uh, to be successful. And even though he's as explosive, I, I would tend to say, listen, if you got an explosive guy like that, give him all the volume because that just increases your chances of your winning. It's like watching this pod trying to get some some great picks. It increases your chances of winning because we give you great picks every week. So with a chain, I think like this is someone that can flip field position. He's a game breaker in every sense of the word. And against Arkansas, they're going to need quick strikes. Arkansas is not going to let you work yourself down the field against that defense. It just won't happen. So you need someone that can put the ball in the paint quickly. That's A-Chain. Texas A&M's laying two and a half, Emery. Are you laying two and a half? I am all on Sam Pittman's Razorbacks. I'm taking Sam Pittman and the Arkansas Razorbacks to win outright because when you have a quarterback, the best quarterback in this game, by the way, that's not afraid of pressure in a pressure-type situation, in a pressure-type atmosphere, in a pressure-type game, that that matters. So give me Arkansas in the points and give me Arkansas straight up to win against Texas A&M. I'm not fooled by what we saw last week against an overrated Miami team, uh, which is par for the course You know, for them early in the season. They're always a U.S. back. You know, Texas is back. And then by week three or four, reality sets in. We saw that with Miami last week. I'm not fooled. This is the same team that got dominated by App State, a physical brand of football. Guess what they're going to see against Arkansas? Exactly. You can't fool Emory Hunt 
which is why he follows at Ross Tucker Pod on Twitter so that he can get one of the Madden codes that we're giving out via DMs. Check him out on social at FBall Game Plan. Certainly football game plan on YouTube. If you prefer YouTube, we're youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL if you want to watch the show or just see the highlight clips of the other excellent shows. And it's never, I repeat, never too early to get the draft guide. Footballgameplan.com slash 2023 draft guide. Other than that, the keg is kicked. We are all tapped out. Thanks for listening to the College Draft Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and the Business of Sports. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.